PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Yes, there is a potential therapeutic effect of ultrasound when used correctly. What we know is there's other things that we do that have much larger effects. The patient actually self-administers the ultrasound daily. Clinical practice needs to be radically overhauled. Welcome to the December 2007 PTJ debate. Ultrasound and evidence-based practice, are they compatible? With participants Stuart Warden of Indiana University and John Childs of the U.S. Army Baylor Doctoral Program in Physical Therapy. The moderator is Josh Cleland of Franklin Pierce University. And now, Dr. Cleland. I would like to welcome everybody to the Physical Therapy Journal debate titled Ultrasound and Evidence-Based Practice, Are They Compatible? We are fortunate to have both Dr. Stuart Warden and Dr. John Childs with us today to debate the issue relative to the therapeutic effectiveness of ultrasound. Dr. Stuart Warden completed his physical therapy and doctoral training at the University of Melbourne in Australia. He completed a clinical postdoctorate fellowship in sports medicine at the Australian Institute of Sport before moving to the United States to complete a research postdoctoral fellowship in orthopedics at the Indiana University School of Medicine. Dr. Warden joined the Department of Physical Therapy at Indiana University as an assistant professor in 2004. He also holds an assistant professor position within the Department of Anatomy and Cell Biology at Indiana University and is the director of research within physical therapy. Dr. Warden is a member of the editorial boards for three international journals, has reviewed papers for over 30 individual journals, and has over 50 peer-reviewed publications, including 12 relating to the use of ultrasound. Dr. John Childs is an assistant professor and director of research in the U.S. Army Baylor University Doctoral Program in Physical Therapy. He is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist and a fellow in the American Academy of Orthopedic and Manual Physical Therapists. Dr. Childs completed his Ph.D. in Rehabilitation Science from the University of Pittsburgh in 2003. Dr. Childs has numerous scientific presentations at national and international meetings and has lectured extensively at the graduate and postgraduate levels on evidence-based practice, advanced clinical examination techniques, and manual physical therapy. Dr. Childs has received numerous research grants from federal and professional funding agencies and has published over 45 peer-reviewed manuscripts in leading peer-reviewed journals. He currently serves as an associate editor for both physical therapy and the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. Dr. Childs has received numerous awards, including the Eugene Michaels New Investigator Award and Rose Excellence in Research Award. Dr. Childs is the founder and is currently president of Evidence in Motion. At this time, I would like to ask both Dr. Warden and Dr. Child to provide an introductory statement relative to their position on ultrasound as a therapeutic modality. And Dr. Warden, you can go ahead and begin. Thanks, Josh. Basically, uh, ultrasound therapy, evidence-based medicine, I think are pretty well compatible. Ultrasound, we know as it is currently being used by physical therapists, is not evidence-based. And this has been repeatedly concluded by multiple systematic reviews over the last couple of decades. However, this doesn't mean that ultrasound doesn't work. Robertson and Baker, in their systematic review, which was published in Physical Therapy in 2001, found 10 scientifically rigorous clinical trials investigating ultrasound therapy. Of these, only two reported a beneficial ultrasound effect. Many look at this as being a limited number of studies showing a beneficial effect, but I actually see it as a positive. Two is better than none. So two studies reporting a beneficial ultrasound effect suggests that, yes, there is a potential therapeutic effect of ultrasound when used correctly. Added to this is the fact that there's an abundant and rapidly growing body of evidence demonstrating the clinical efficacy of ultrasound during fracture repair. 
This evidence has not been included in previous systematic reviews investigating ultrasound effects and how physical therapists traditionally use it. There's been three well-designed randomised controlled trials that have shown ultrasound to accelerate fracture healing following an acute injury by 30 to 38%. And for tibial shaft fractures, this resulted in a two-month reduction in the time that someone was immobilised in the cast. And for collis fractures, there was a one-month reduction in cast immobilisation. So these are significant and, and fairly undeniable reductions in patient morbidity and fairly remarkable considering that fracture healing is, is considered to be a naturally optimised process. Added to the effect of ultrasound during these randomised clinical controlled trials is the fact that when you apply ultrasound to non-united fractures, over 85% of them heal. And this is in fractures that have failed to heal irrespective of other treatments for a period over two years following the initial injury. So there's an abundant and growing body of evidence showing that ultrasound therapy does have tissue level and clinical benefits. And there are certain reasons why maybe the physical therapists aren't generating these effects and how these effects are being generated in some of these clinical trials. Dr. Childs? The position really that I'm taking is the large majority of applications in the way that ultrasound is used in clinical practice today are largely ineffective. And there is a large body of literature that supports that, that for virtually all musculoskeletal conditions in which ultrasound has been studied, no evidence has been shown. Now, one of the issues, of course, that comes up is this whole issue of subgrouping, and perhaps there's some subgroup of patients who might benefit from ultrasound and Clearly, when you look across the evidence, there's conditions like perhaps calcific tendonitis, uh, carpal tunnel, where there is some evidence to support it. And in the case of calcific tendonitis, there's some good evidence to support it. But the issues remain that that it is not how ultrasound is getting used in day-to-day practice. And so the fact that we see widespread utilization of a relatively useless intervention, at least in the way it's delivered, is to me the big, uh, the big problem. Now, the application of ultrasound for fracture healing and all of that is certainly a sort of new application, if you will, and largely is not at all being used in clinical practice, at least in a widespread sort of way. So I think that the key message in my mind as I see this is is how evidence gets translated into clinical practice. And I see this as yet another example of the widespread evidence gap in which we know certain things to be true or not true in terms of high quality research. And yet clinical practice is 10 or 15 years behind in terms of actually reflecting current best evidence. Now I have a few questions I would like to ask. According to Sackett, physician treatment selection is often based on the year of graduation from medical school. However, in the study by Wong et al. in the August edition of PT Journal, no direct correlation was identified between those who used ultrasound in the year of graduation. Could you each briefly comment on why you feel this to be the case? And we'll start with Dr. Childs. Yeah, no, I think it, it was an interesting sort of secondary finding, if you will, from the survey. And in my mind, it simply reflects the fact that teaching of these sorts of passive modalities continues to be widespread in our physical therapy curricula. And there's all sorts of reasons why that is the case, and not the least of which these passive modalities, not just ultrasound, but others, continue to be relatively heavily emphasized on the licensure exam, simply because when practice analysis surveys are done by the Federation, physical therapists report that they're using these things. Therefore, there's some presumptions that they must therefore be useful. So they're within PT scope, so they're reflected on the 
the exam, which sort of then continues to drive the need to include this. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that our newer therapists continue to utilize these interventions because they're included in our educational programs. And the other issues, of course, are those related to reimbursement. And that is that commercial insurance companies and others continue to reimburse for these interventions. And therefore, there's some incentives to utilize them from that perspective as well. Dr. Warden? Yeah, I'm basically in agreement in that I'm not surprised that there's no correlation between those who use ultrasound and the year of graduation. Some of that does come back to what Dr. Charles was saying about the lack of evidence and the overuse of ultrasound in clinical practice. And that's pretty well been established over the years that the way we are using ultrasound in clinical practice is excessive and it's not evidence-based. Even though there is evidence out there that ultrasound therapy does have beneficial effects, the teaching of the actual principles and the modality continues to be based on traditions and outdated theories and methods. And that's clearly evident in the recent survey studies, which have basically shown that ultrasound use today is basically the same as it was decades ago. Nothing has really been modified over the last few decades. Recent evidence hasn't been incorporated into clinical practice. How much emphasis do you think should be placed on educating students in the use of ultrasound or other physical modalities in entry-level PT programs, Dr. Warden? Well, historically, I think modalities have been given too much time in PT programs, and this has partly resulted in its overemphasis in clinical practice, particularly in new grads. But I don't believe that teaching of modalities should be completely stopped, particularly because they do work if you use them correctly and because students are going to be exposed to them clinically. So they need to basically know how to use the modalities to be safe and how to optimize a beneficial effect. I think many programs are starting to work this out and getting closer to a happy medium in terms of how to teach modality and modality use to students. We're moving away from teaching modalities as discrete courses and moving more towards teaching them as a, as a smaller component of an overall global intervention. And this way, the selection to use a specific modality you can weigh its selection more appropriately against other alternative therapies. We're not solely relying on one particular modality. We're thinking about a more global intervention approach. Dr. Childs? I think modalities are definitely given, at least historically, too much attention in the curricula and the attention that they are given. Oftentimes, there's way too much of the basic science and, frankly, not nearly enough of the application. Those subgroups where there is some evidence to support it, the dosing is a huge issue. The modalities, even in ultrasound being obviously the one we're talking about today, even in cases of like calcific tendinitis, for example, where there's some data to support its efficacy, the dosing is, is, is much higher than how it's utilized. And yet, those messages oftentimes are not reflected in our curricula and that dosing is not modeled in clinical education. And, and part of the difficulty, of course, and this is where it becomes what does the evidence show versus what is practical and, and consistent with our whole healthcare system. Calcific tendinitis is a perfect example where the data suggests an upwards of 15 to 20 sessions of, of ultrasound can reduce the size of a calcium deposit in the shoulder. That's all well and good, but does it reflect reality in the world of our reimbursement environment? The other issues that come into play, even when you have some evidence to support these modalities, what's the alternative? And what we know is there's other things that we do that have much larger effects. And so to me, again, it's not an issue of using modalities or not using modalities, but it's focusing the bulk of the time with the patient in using more active sorts of interventions where the effects are known to be larger. 
what are your suggested future directions regarding ultrasound and other physical modalities in our profession? Uh, I think uh, certainly those areas, fracture healing being one of them where there's compelling evidence to suggest there's a role. We don't fully understand it, but there's certainly some legitimate questions that could be asked. Perhaps ultrasound becomes a cost-effective mechanism to promote fracture healing quicker than other alternatives. I think in terms of at least federally funded research, that's an area where there might be enough interest to fund something like that. When it comes to the other modalities and their traditional uses, I just don't think in light of all the other questions that are being asked and being funded, I I personally don't see how those are going to rise to the surface as being something of enough interest where at least an organization like NIH or others are going to fund at a substantial level. I, I, I could be mistaken, but there's just so many other competing issues and other interventions that, again, have greater effects. Now, that doesn't preclude, obviously, innovation and perhaps other applications of ultrasound that maybe we don't know yet or understand, but at this time, I don't see a large federal impetus to support ultrasound in the way it's traditionally used. Dr. Warden? I agree. In the, the way therapists are currently using ultrasound, there doesn't seem to be much effect. However, if we look at the evidence that has been produced that shows a beneficial effect and we pull that evidence, what we see is what Dr. Charles is talking about in that the ultrasound dosages that have been shown to have a beneficial effect are those that are introduced more frequently and for longer periods than traditionally introduced by physical therapists. So there is some evidence that ultrasound has beneficial effects at alternative dosages. Those dosages and those frequencies does make it less attractive for reimbursement because you're encouraging patients to come in every day and to have longer duration intervention periods or treatment sessions. One alternative which has been developed for fracture healing is to develop unique ultrasound units that patients can rent and borrow themselves. And that's how they apply it during fracture healing is that the patient actually self-administers the ultrasound daily at home by themselves. So it could be an issue of rethinking how we are applying ultrasound and using it in clinical practice. Instead of the therapist applying it, there is technology and ways of developing units such that patients can take them home themselves and administer their own treatment and still generate the beneficial ultrasound effects but without negating the active treatments that a therapist can actually provide within the clinic. Thank you. Now we have the opportunity for a few final closing remarks and we'll start with you, Dr. Warden. I think that this is a a very interesting and topical issue that really comes down to evidence-based practice and are we purely using evidence-based practice as our model does everything that we have to do have to be 100% evidence-based? Ideally, yes. In reality, that's not going to happen. And ultrasound is one of those devices that there is evidence, but to show that there's evidence, every single application that we're using is not going to be possible. And I think its selection to use should be based more on the ultrasound unique properties in that the cellular effects and the effects on collagen production as opposed to using it for heating and and effects that you can generate by any numerous number of modalities. I think if we stick to what ultrasound was primarily designed to do and look at the evidence that shows, yes, there is an effect, I think we can make some ground in terms of showing that ultrasound does work. And and just to come back on Dr. Child's point regarding the funding and funding for research in this area, NIH actually have a call out at the moment for the innovative use of ultrasound therapy and to generate new uses of ultrasound to generate beneficial effects. So NIH are looking at ultrasound as a a potential treatment modality. Dr. Childs? 
I see this issue both in the short run as, as well as the long run. And in the short run, I think the key message to clinicians is we got to sort of cease and desist. There's a lot of issues that feed into why clinicians use sort of useless treatments and, and modalities are just one piece of that. Stretching for low back pain is another, and we could go on and on and on about translating best evidence into practice. What we know for sure, though, is that in general, the use of active interventions is more beneficial than passive modalities. And some of the work that Julie Fritz and Joshua, that you were involved in, in the paper that was just published in Medical Care, demonstrated that very point, that at a first high 30,000-foot level of decision-making, we should be encouraging the use of active interventions as opposed to passive, regardless if you're talking about ultrasound or any other passive intervention. In the long run, to the extent that there's novel applications of ultrasound that can be developed, and whether it be fracture healing or, or some other innovative approach, I think we're wide open to that. The key in my mind is that there's just a lot of low-hanging fruit where clinical practice needs to be radically overhauled today so that the traditional use of ultrasound becomes the way of the dinosaurs. At this time, I'd like to thank each of you for your insightful comments on the use of ultrasound and other physical modalities in the field of physical therapy. This has been an intriguing discussion. It's provided a lot of food for thought for the profession. So thanks again to Dr. Warden and Dr. Childs for their time and insight on the use of ultrasound as a therapeutic modality. Thanks for listening. We invite you to provide feedback on this podcast. Do you have comments about this debate, topics you'd like to hear in the future? Let us know via email or voicemail. Write to ptj at scienceaudio.net or call 626 626- This has been a production of Science Audio. Visit us online at www.scienceaudio.net.